Hi, my name is Luke Manning. I'm a wellness author and speaker and the founder of Corthentic, as well as a proud ambassador for Crohn's and Colitis Australia. I'm so glad that you've chosen to join me today for my presentation about preventing burnout. And I actually couldn't think of a better time in the world to be actually having this discussion. So much of our world is changing around us right now. And some of the things that we normalized, considered to be perfectly okay before, probably aren't gonna be as suitable for us as we move forward. Now, as business women, one thing that I know about all of you is that the common theme that seems to run through business women is their courage. Courage to look at things for exactly how they are and their willingness to make the changes that are needed in order to build a sustainable business, one that actually prioritizes the well-being of everybody involved in the business, everyone that comes into contact with the business, and of course, you yourself as the business leader. So as I take you through the presentation today, I'm gonna to be looking at some of the hard truths, some of the realities of the world that we face around us. I'm gonna be stripping back some of those layers because knowledge is power. The more that we know about what we're dealing with, the better decisions we can actually make that help us to create a sustainable business as we move forward. I'm gonna be taking you through some strategies, some skills, and of course, some suggestions. There is no one size fits all policy for anything in life, particularly when it comes to your business. So as you're listening to these suggestions, learning these skills and looking at some of these strategies, I'd like you to put that creative hat on and think about how it could apply to your business, to your personal life as well. Your business is always gonna be a reflection of you. And so as much as some of the changes that you may be facing are overwhelming, maybe even a little bit scary, please know that number one, you're never alone. We are all collectively in this together as a group and you can reach out to any of us for support at any time along your journey. But secondly, please know that you can do it. You can make the changes that are necessary. I 100% believe that it is possible for you to do that and to make sure that by doing so, you're creating an environment where burnout isn't even in the picture. And that's really the aim here. In order to complete some of the activities from today's session, I'd like you to have some pens and paper with you. Ideally, you know, two colors of pens at least, or if you've got a Word document with you, laptop, iPad, that kind of thing will work really, really well. Have it open and ready, because there will actually be some interactive sessions here so that you can start to apply these skills today and start planning for a burnout prevention future. So here we go. So let's start from the top. The first question really needs to be, what actually is burnout? Now, having experienced burnout firsthand myself, I can tell you that it is dangerous financially, physically, mentally, and emotionally. It's not fun. And I don't want any of you to experience it, but so many people don't really know what it actually is. Burnout is complete exhaustion of the mental, physical, and emotional self. It is essentially the depletion of your resources to nothing.
The second question then has to become what actually fuels us? Well, as you know, as fitness professionals, movement is a really big key to not only your physical health, but to your mental health as well. So movement's definitely a factor, but rest is a really significant one as well. Play, your nutrition, and of course, having a way to express yourself emotionally, as well as having sustainable coping strategies for stress, for the unexpected things like COVID-19 that suddenly land in your lap as a business owner and as a human being. Not only can each of these fuels be directly linked back to the three pillars of your well-being, your mental, your emotional, and your physical self, but they can also be tiered into what I like to call the human drivers. These are four systems in which allow us to bring the best of ourselves to the forefront and keep ourselves well from a physiological point of view as well. These are safe, seen, valued, and heard. And every one of us needs to feel that these boxes are being ticked on a regular basis in the environment or community in which we live. And for most of us, that means a significant amount of that has to come from our workplace. Now, most people have probably experienced many cases of burnout, and I'm sure you may actually resonate with some of what I'm about to say. Working through having a cold, even though you're feeling pretty miserable, showing up to the office or to the gym or the workplace or attending a meeting, for example, when you're emotionally not in the headspace to actually be able to take in all of the information or really be an interactive part of the group. working yourself really, really hard and ignoring all of the warning signs that your body is trying to give you about how exhausted it is, how tired it is. Maybe you've even missed out on eating a few meals and certainly probably dropped some of your exercise and other things that would normally help you in order to complete a project. And when you get to the end of that, lo and behold, you get sick. These are all mini cases of burnout. This is you depleting your resources to the point where the body or the emotional self can no longer withstand it and lets you know in a very clear fashion that you've pushed yourself too far. With the COVID-19 being around us now, it is more important than ever that we focus on our mental, emotional and physical selves and have a real self-awareness about what we are doing for our own well-being. Just because something has been normalized, like working through sickness, like working yourself and putting all of your needs to the side, doesn't actually mean that it's right. And so today what I'd like you to do is to take a really long, hard look at the way in which you structure your business, at the way in which you structure your personal time and your personal self, and think about whether or not the normalized things you have begun doing just because you've mirrored what you've seen around you in society is going to be the healthiest way for you to move forward in an environment which is already going to be of higher impact 
on your brain and on your body. In this first activity, you're going to be looking at what I like to call non-judgmental observation of self. Very, very long worded, I know, but it essentially means taking a long, hard look at the reality of your life, not about what you want it to be, but what it actually is. So now's the time to grab that paper and those pens or to grab your document and have it all set up with you. In order to build a burnout prevention structure, you need to actually look at the current structure of your life. And when we're in the minute to minute living of our daily lives, we quite often just keep slotting things in. We're not really looking at how we're laying it all out. We just see a whole bunch of stuff that needs to get done. So we're gonna break it down a little bit today. I'd like you to take that piece of paper or that document and write out for yourself what your average week looks like including there any meetings that you may usually have or phone calls that are standard for yourself and your team. And of course, include things like where your lunches go, if there's certain types of exercise, meditation, other things that may be on your schedule. How does that all fit in for you? Pop down the times that you would normally do it and fill it in to the best of your ability. Of course, there's always gonna be some fluctuation from week to week, but this is just about what your average week actually looks like. For a moment, I'm just gonna have some music playing in the background because this actually boosts your neurotransmitters, making this activity a little bit more fun and certainly more productive for you. So over the next few minutes, just take that time to really flesh out what your schedule actually looks like. And I'll be back with you in a moment to discuss the next part of the activity.
Okay, now that you've completed the first part of the activity, you've got your schedule all laid out for your week, I'd like you now to take one colored pen or of course highlight it on a Word document in a particular color that you choose. I want you to look for each of the things in your week that actually make you feel uplifted, energized, productive, healthy. Include the things that you think are tackling your human drivers, safe, seen, valued and heard. I really want you to spend some time to identify the things that you are doing on a weekly basis that fit into those categories, that derive those feelings, that help you to feel energized and are moving you in the direction of actually taking care of your physical, mental and emotional self on a consistent and regular basis. Anything that doesn't fit into those parameters, leave it blank on the schedule. Again, I'll be back in a moment to discuss the next step. Now that you've completed that part of the task, I'd like you to look again at the things that you've circled or highlighted. And this time I'd really like you to assess whether or not those things would fall into the optional category for you. In other words, you would drop them if the right project came up, if you became too busy, maybe one of your staff members is off sick and you have to jump in. Do those things get pushed to the side to make room for other things? So make a little note of what those things might be if they are optional for you. And be realistic with yourself. Again, this is not about how you want it to be. This is about how it actually is for you. Take your time.
Okay, now that you've made notes all over that first schedule, I'd like you to take a second piece of paper or make a, a new version of this as a second template in your Word document. This time removing all of the contents of it, but just simply having laid out as a template. We're gonna come back to that in a moment. Now meetings tend to end up being these really long-winded, drawn-out events. Quite often the only outcome of a meeting is to ultimately schedule another meeting, which really means that it's been very unproductive. There's a couple of reasons for why meetings don't generally work particularly well. One is because we schedule them simply for too long. The human brain actually cannot concentrate and process information from the same delivery area around 40 minutes, 40 to 45 minutes. That's our cap. At that point, anything after that is being processed in the background, which means you are not doing active listening and processing. It's likely you will have missed some of the information that is coming from the meeting and it starts to rapidly drain the resources of the brain. Our neurons will just keep on firing, exhausting themselves. This is why quite often at the end of a meeting you feel so incredibly fatigued. The sheer amount of concentration it takes for your brain to focus and to try and process all of this new information as it comes up for such a long extended period of time means that the brain starts to really tire itself out and as a result, that then starts to drain the resources of the body, leading you to feeling just absolutely exhausted. This is of course not great when you then have to take action on the things that come out of the meeting. So you're really not doing those actions from the point of view of having energy, having the capacity from your body to be able to follow through. So we need to look at the length of our meetings. If they're going for over 45 minutes, we absolutely need to be bringing those down. And the more that you can bring them down systematically to 30 minutes or under, the more productive your meetings will actually become. Second thing about meetings, meetings are not discussions. They are actually two very separate communication styles. Meetings are about action. They're about making decisions and having clear allocations of what is going to be done by what person and for what purpose. All the discussion leading up to that point should be done in discussions. In other words, this could be a scheduled time that you sit down with a staff member and have a one-on-one -on -one or a casual discussion where you're just talking open-heartedly and more about getting to know each other. This is where you as a leader actually can learn which of your staff suit these projects and assign them accordingly. So that's probably going to be something that I would highly recommend as a change that you could make is separating your meetings from your discussions. This will also help, of course, to shave down the amount of time that you need to be in those meetings in the first place. 
Your discussions are again an opportunity to have an open communication with your staff, to build a bond with them, but more importantly, for them to actually also get to see you as a human being. They start to see your safe, seen, valued and heard, your human drivers. And having those discussions with them, allowing them again, the opportunity to talk about perhaps what it is they want from a project or what they could offer the company in a particular way helps them to feel safe, seen, valued and heard. It's reinforcing that they are in an environment that recognizes their humanness and that is so important for well-being and is a big part of preventing burnout within a workplace. Finally, one other part of meetings that you can have a look at is the role again of the brain. Now we already discussed that bringing down the time of the meetings is going to help from a neurological point of view, but one of the other realities as well is that when we stop, we become still, we sit down, particularly if we're in a confined space and we are in the same sort of oxygen, we actually begin to enter almost a sleep mode. The body considers this to be rest time. And again, we then have to work even harder to concentrate. So one of the ways that you can make yourself more productive, make those meetings actually more action orientated is to stand or to move throughout the meeting. The human body doesn't get super comfortable standing up long term. It will have an urgency or a desire to actually get through the content a lot quicker simply because it doesn't like standing there. So your brain will then become more geared towards decision making and productivity as a result. So if you really want to get things going, rather than people getting comfortable with the notepad and pen and you see them starting to just essentially slouch and yawn and become more and more tired throughout the meeting, even just getting them to stand up for the meeting will change the game. In a moment, I'm also going to be teaching you a skill that you can use to, again, increase that productivity in the meeting and get you all aligned on the same page, but also begin to normalize the human drivers and the role of your mental, emotional, and physical self within meetings to your team. We're gonna do this through a breathing technique. In my experience, breathing techniques are a fantastic way to align your team and to allow yourself to be cognitively on the same page. Breathing techniques fundamentally change the way that our brains work and physiologically how our bodies work. They also change our emotional state entirely. So this is a great way to get everyone together, moving in the same direction, but also showing them that, hey, you are a human being. You are not a robot. You have feelings, you have physical needs, and this workplace is an environment that actually harnesses that and empowers you to use it. This will then flow on to your clients. So this is a really, really a great thing to do. Very, very simple. All you're doing is trying to regulate the breathing so that it is deep, even, and calm. You start by inhaling through the nose for a count of four and exhaling through the mouth for a count of four. You keep breathing in this cycle. Now, as you keep breathing today, 
you'll probably notice some resistance in the body for the first few cycles of breathing. This is actually some of the body's communication trying to come forward and talk to you that has been squashed down in the background of all the busyness of your day. And again, this is great for your team to check in with how it is that they're actually feeling. As you keep breathing in through the nose for four and out through the mouth for four, other physiological changes begin. Your heartbeat will begin to slow, to move in rhythm with the breath. The lungs, the intercostal muscles through the rib cage, the diaphragm will begin to soften and become more flexible with that fresh oxygenated blood moving through the body. You'll begin to feel a little bit more grounded. You'll have an awareness of your space and yourself that is slightly enlarged or enhanced. And suddenly the pressures that you have, the productivity that you're expected to deliver on will not seem nearly as challenging. Now I recommend practicing this breathing cycle as you're doing it today and making note of how it makes you feel as you go. These things like anything else, like any other exercise that you may teach, for example, do take practice. But if you can do this again as a group, as a team, whether it's on a Zoom call, whether it ends up being in person eventually, this will be a really, really great way to get you all on the same page. And again, you can do this standing. In fact, you can do this throughout the meeting, even if you're running it between breaths, cluing into that deep breathing, keeping yourself calm. It's also a great way to deal with any pressures or any stresses that you feel start to arise through the day. You can simply begin this breathing cycle at any point. It's free, it's effective, it's safe, and anybody can use it at any age. So I hope you get a lot out of that. So let's talk about the lunch trap. We all know that we need to take breaks. We certainly all know that we need to eat. And as fitness professionals, we know that sometimes our schedule can look a little odd. If you're personal training, for example, you could be working right through lunch. Or you may have actually scheduled lunchtime meetings because it's the only time you think you can actually catch up with your team. So you're eating and you're working at the same time. Again, I want to reiterate that some of the things that have been normalized are not necessarily those things that which serve us very well. And going forward, with such heightened stress around, we really need to be taking our rest and our breaks very, very seriously and trying to schedule them to ensure that we actually get them. It's so important for the body to refuel. So if you can, try to avoid scheduling lunchtime meetings. Eating while we work has actually never been a particularly good thing. You can certainly casually catch up with your team and your staff and bond with them, talking about anything but work. This will, of course, allow you to understand better who is going to be best for a particular project or a particular role, what the gripes and concerns are within the staff room. So again, this can kind of come into discussions a little bit. But if you're actually getting together to work through a project and eating, 
you're probably doing yourself a bit of a disservice there because your brain is not going to be particularly productive. So you're forcing it to try and again do more work when it's distracted and needing to actually refuel and your body will not be absorbing the nutrients from the food that you're eating because you are using those resources so quickly that the body is actually not having the time to do its job effectively. So mindful eating is a very fast and effective way for you and your team to actually get rest while you are on the move. You might only get a 15 minute lunch break or 20 minutes, 30 perhaps at the most. So we really want to encourage uh, each other to stay within a zone of taking that time to rest. If you can mindfully eat, in other words, sit down and absorb your food. Really enjoy it. Notice the texture of it, the flavor of it, feel it in your mouth. Notice that moment of satisfaction in your body as it registers after 15 or 20 minutes that you have actually eaten. Feel the energy start to wash over you. Feel the change in your physiological self. This will help you to feel satisfied by the fact that you've eaten. It gives your body the opportunity to pull the resources from it, which again, help you to prevent that burnout and allow you that rest time that you so desperately need as a human being. Again, coming back to those drivers, safe, seen, valued and heard. You'd be amazed at how even eating lunch mindfully can come into those exact checkboxes. Remember, it's not just the people around you that help you to feel safe, seen, valued and heard. It's also internal. The actions that you choose to do for yourself will go a long way to setting yourself up for burnout prevention. And if you do happen to be a leader, remember that the added, I guess, pressure on you is that what you do becomes mirrored. So you will see it in the environment around you. If you always work through lunch, you're always talking and doing things through lunch. Your team will do the same. And so ultimately, it'll be like all of you have not had a break throughout the day at all. Again, adding to that pressure, adding to that load, further draining those resources and making burnout much, much more likely. So all of these tiny little things like just taking that 15 minutes to mindfully eat do add up and make a profound difference to what's happening with you mentally, emotionally and physically, which of course then affects you, your team and your bottom line. One of my recommendations for leaders in particular, but really anybody that could be watching this presentation right now, is to be very, very aware of the needs of the human body when it comes to sickness. Now again, what has been normalized coming out of the industrial era, coming out of World War I and World War II, is for us to work no matter what. No matter what circumstances come our way, we still show up. In fact, this has been so ingrained in us, so many of us walk around like it's a badge of honor if we can be tough enough to show up to work when we are actually sick, as though it's something that we should be genuinely proud of. The reality is though, of course, this puts us in an even greater risk of experiencing burnout. This is something that I would recommend to you to look at anyway, but now with COVID-19 in front of all of us and everybody looking at how they're going to re-enter into the workforce, this is going to be exceptionally important. With COVID-19 now on everybody's radar and people now thinking about how they're going to re-enter into the workforce, how they're going to coexist alongside this pandemic. 
knowing what your expectations are of yourself and your staff when it comes to illness is going to be really, really important. Now, of course, there's going to be rules and regulations by which we all have to abide by, and that's totally fine. That goes into sort of essentially a separate bucket to this discussion. This is about you. If you used to come to work with the sniffles, if you're feeling a little bit unwell or perhaps a little bit too stressed, and that has then become mirrored and normalized within your workplace, I would encourage you to really consider changing that as of today. Of course, any change takes time. It's going to take at least four to six weeks for the brain to recognize that something that you're doing differently is a new normal and therefore normalize it. It is likely that making changes is going to push you up against some barriers, some boundaries, and you may experience some resistance from yourself or even your team. So this is gonna require some serious communication on your part, being very, very open about what you're trying to achieve. I want to leave you with that to really think about a little bit more deeply, but I also want to touch on the mental health aspects as well. This would be very remiss of me not to raise this at this point in time. With a trauma that is as significant as the pandemic is, as people come into the workplace again, they will also be carrying with them an active and inactive layer of trauma. Some people will not really experience or be aware of their experience of the mental health impacts until they are getting back into the workforce because they will have been in survival mode throughout this period. Other people will already potentially be struggling with it. And everyone's gonna be on their own timeline and have their own way in which that they deal with these things. Nonetheless, the mental health impacts are going to be very apparent and of course will affect people physiologically, likely making it easier for them to get sick with your average cold or sinus infection or gastro bug that goes around. So expect that there's going to be potentially a heightened amount of sickness that is in the workplace from the mental health aspects as well. This is a time where I would recommend upskilling your staff to do things like the mental health first aid certificate so that they're aware of how they can help and respond to each other during this process as people begin to see each other again and perhaps can't touch, no hugging, no shaking hands, doing all of those kinds of things that would normally be how we would comfort each other in a time of trauma. So please think through all of those things, have a clear strategy in place for yourself, remembering that what you do will be mirrored by your team. Make sure that you talk about it, get their input on it. And that way, as you move forward, again, you are ticking those boxes safe, seen, valued, and heard. And when it comes to sickness in particular, we feel incredibly vulnerable. So having a plan in place and those people working with you knowing that they are allowed to get sick and they are allowed to recover goes such a long way to create an environment that prevents burnout. The number one habitual cause of burnout is actually the fact that we keep on showing up to work when we are sick because it sets such a terrible expectation for everyone around us. It's very systemic and it becomes a cycle. The good news is that I 100% believe that you can break that and hopefully with this knowledge and with the context of the situation, you will be empowered to begin making that change with your team. It is worth it and as leaders in fitness where we deal directly with people's physical health and of course their mental health as well, 
we can be a guiding light in moving forward and helping to change the way that we structure our businesses and our communities to prioritize well-being. So do it. As I've already touched on several times throughout the video, some of these strategies and skills are things that you might either want to upskill your own team with, have somebody come in to help you to create that environment to teach them those skills, and certainly is going to take uh, you talking to people about what these changes are for, how you can make them work, and of course having the input from your team. Communication is always essential and is one of the biggest factors in our safe, seen, valued and heard. And that goes both ways. So this is really an opportunity for us as women, as leaders, to bring what we are so good at to the forefront. We are exceptionally good communicators. We are fantastic at being compassionate and empathetic and kind. It's sort of hardwired into most of us to be able to create communities, to build a group of people around us for support. That's just the wonderful genetics of being a female human being. And now you actually get to use that, not just for yourself, but for your team and also for your clients. Here are my suggestions on how you can make that work. Again, as I've mentioned before, mirroring is a really big factor in how people create an environment. And in fact, we learn to do most things in life through mirroring. From the day we are born to the day we die, we never actually stop mirroring the people around us. And so your team will of course mirror you and even if you're not a manager or a leader the next person perhaps that gets hired into the workplace if you end up being their buddy they will mirror you so all of us ultimately are responsible and accountable for some of what goes on in the workplace from that perspective so i really suggest that as you look at making some of these structural changes looking at maybe your meetings versus your discussions maybe bringing in breathing techniques looking at the importance of mental well-being, particularly in this trauma, looking at you know your physical health and ensuring that you are actually doing the things for yourself that tick off the physical, mental and emotional, which tear into the human drivers, safe, seen, valued and heard, that you let your team see you adapt and grow. This has certainly been, in my experience, one of the most challenging but rewarding aspects of leadership. So often again, what has been normalized is that the leader goes away sort of into the corner office, makes decisions largely on their own, makes all of these changes and then comes out and simply announces that the change has been made. And everyone then sort of looks at each other and tries to get in line with the change that has been made. And quite often that is where some of the polarizing nature of leadership can come from when there feels like there's that disconnect. But allowing yourself to be vulnerable in leadership, to show people that you are growing and adapting and changing is an incredibly powerful skill. You'll find that more likely most of your team will easily come with you on that journey rather than questioning you and facing a whole bunch of resistance. So here is how you can do that. If you're beginning to make any of these structural changes that I've suggested or any other ones perhaps that may be sparked by this conversation, I would recommend getting on a video call with them or a phone call with them. And again, this is not a meeting, this is a discussion. 
So having an open platform with them about their human drivers, what it is that they actually need, that you know that it's going to start with you as the leader or that you think that this is the right way to go forward. Expecting that there's going to be four to six weeks of upskilling of people getting used to it. Asking your team what it is that they want. What do they want from the new normal? How can they actively be part of that? Having that open dialogue is going to go a long way to helping you to set up a structure that everybody wants to exist in, making it easier for you to make these changes. And allow them to see you have those lunch times to yourself. Stand up in meetings rather than sitting down. Leading a breathing technique or getting people upskilled to deal with mental health aspects. Changing the rules and expectations around taking time off when you're sick or when you're having a mental health day that requires you really to step away and have a break. And of course, prioritizing your needs. All of these things, allowing people to see you do them, perhaps to sometimes stumble and pick yourself back up and try again, cements your role as a leader, allows you to be the guiding light for your organization, gives the people around you again the opportunity to recognize your humanness, your safe, seen, valued, and heard, and thereby through mirroring reinforces to their brains and bodies that they also have a right to have their human drivers met, that they are in an environment where they are safe, seen, valued and heard. And when you can create that environment for yourself and your team, burnout is no longer part of the equation because you're placing parameters around things you are building a structure to include and live through well-being, being priority number one. Now that you've had the opportunity to look at all of those skills and suggestions, I'd like you now to readdress the activity that we did at the very beginning, where I asked you to build out your schedule for the week and of course also a blank template. So with the things that we have now covered off, the importance of the physical, the emotional and the mental, understanding that what you do will be mirrored by others, how it tears into your human drivers, safe, seen, valued and heard, and that is going to require some structural changes and some time for these things to become normalized as you move forward, I'd like you to look at that first schedule again. If any of the things on there that are actually ticking off your human drivers, your safe, seen, valued and heard, your mental, emotional and physical self are being deprioritized for projects and other things, the first thing I want you to do on your new schedule is to prioritize them. Relegating them until after hours is likely not going to work for you. Too many other things simply will get in the way. They need to be built into your day-to-day. -day. Simple methods, as you know, as fitness professionals can go a long way. 10 minutes of stretching here and there. Doing your breathing techniques at the beginning of a meeting, which will change you physiologically, mentally, and emotionally. 
Those kinds of things should be filtered into your day. Allow your team to see you do them so that they will begin to again notice that their humanness has a place in this workplace and that they can begin to include these things themselves. While all of these things initially may make you feel like, oh, I don't have enough time, the reality is that being busy and being productive are not the same thing. And the more that you actually start to gear your business structure from a well-being point of view, you will notice that these things actually create a sense of time, not take time from you. They allow you to actually be more productive because you make less mistakes when your brain and body is fueled and capable of doing the work in which you're asking it to do. So start having a look at all of the things that we have discussed. And I'm gonna allow you just a few minutes to start to fill out what that new weekly schedule might actually look like, where your meetings are versus your discussions. Shorter time frames, including that breathing technique and perhaps standing up. Having a look, is lunch even on your schedule? If so, is it lunch on your own, allowing you to mindfully eat and really absorb the nutrients from your food and take that as a rest stop during the day? What are you doing for your emotional expression? Can you start to include things like breathing techniques elsewhere in your day? Meditation, stretching. Have you got some kind of movement on your schedule that is actually going to be regular for you? Perhaps after you've had your lunch, you can go for a 10 minute walk or take five minutes to stretch and deep breathe. It doesn't necessarily have to be a full 30 or 45 minute workout to be effective during the day. You simply need to again, tick those boxes. Safe, seen, valued and heard through ensuring that you're doing something for your mental, emotional and physical self. So take some time, think through it. You might not get the structure right the first time around and that's totally okay. This is just an exercise to broaden your horizons and allow you to strip back the layers of what has been normalized and make decisions about what you want your normal to be going forward. I'll be back in a moment to wrap things up.
So I hope you've got a lot out of today's presentation. If anything, it's probably opened a little bit of a can of worms, allowing you to really pull things apart and see them for, again, what they are as opposed to what you want them to be. Going forward, this is the perfect time. It's actually a very exciting time because you get to make changes to build a structure that is sustainable, that is healthy, and that will be the new normal. The new normal that allows you, your staff, and your clients to feel that their human needs are being met, placing well-being at the forefront instead of on the back burner, which is where society has placed it for so long. So this is a fantastically exciting time for women, particularly in the fitness industry, to shine the light and move forward in a direction whereby it's going to affect the communities in which you serve so positively. I believe 100% that you can do it. Of course, myself and all of the team at Ignite will be around to help you as you move through that process. So you are definitely not alone in this as you take those steps forward. I empower you, of course, to recognize your human needs as number one priority because everything comes from there. Every bit of mirroring, every bit of business structure, every part of your brand comes from you. And so if you can really look at yourself and make those little tweaks over time, compassionately, without self-criticism, and with some empathy for the patience and the time that it will require to get this right, you're gonna do absolutely fantastic things. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Remember that everything comes down to those human drivers, safe, seen, valued, and heard. So whether it's how you communicate with your team, what you choose to communicate with them, how you structure your day, the things that you show them that you are doing for yourself and for your business and for your clients, all of it can be filtered through safe, seen, valued, and heard. So as you begin to take those steps in that direction over the coming weeks and months, I encourage you to continue coming back to those four human drivers, asking yourself for a moment, which one of the drivers does this action, does this thought, does this plan, does this communication filter into? And if it doesn't filter into one of those or it opposes one of those, that is your opportunity to snap on it and make a decision that's going to lead you in a direction that you want to go. You 100% can do this. It's a little bit like brain training and in the same way as I know you already know being that you're fitness professionals when we start the exercise when we first pick up that weight it might be a little bit hard and it requires a little coaching sometimes and a little bit of self-patience and certainly some consistency and then all of a sudden picking up that weight isn't a challenge at all and it's going to be the exact same with this so as you face a little bit of self-resistance face a little bit of self-questioning maybe even a little bit of self-doubt along the way. Keep working that brain muscle. Keep coming back to the safe, seen, valued and heard. And before you know it, thinking about having to have a burnout prevention strategy isn't even gonna be a thing because you will have actually set up your structure to ensure that it's not even something on your radar in the first place. It's been my absolute pleasure to take you through this session today. I'm so excited for the future of all female business businesses, particularly in fitness. We are going to do amazing things. You are going to do amazing things. Reach out, of course, if I can be of any assistance as you continue moving forward. Keep building out that structure. And I look forward to seeing what you do with your human drivers as you face the world without burnout in it. Bye for now.